So today's daf is uh, Kuf in Masachet Eruvin. We're going to start on Tzadi Tet Amud Bet at the Mishnah, which is four lines up from bottom of the Amud. Ilan If you have a tree that was sort of like creating a canopy over the ground, it creates like an area that you could sit under the tree branches under the ground. If it doesn't... Um, if it's not higher than three tvachim off the ground, in other words, if it goes low enough, it curves around, it goes low enough that it's within three tvachim of the ground, so it's really considered like mechitzot, it's considered to make a, a partition and to make an enclosure under that tree. So metaltalim, tachtav, so then you can carry underneath it, it's rishut ha'yechid, shorashav gvoim in ha'aretz gimot tvachim. However, if the roots that are coming out uh, are, uh, well, this is really a separate halacha actually, but shorashav gvoim in ha'aretz gimot tvachim, lo yeshev alihin, a separate thing is about using a tree. In other words, one, um, one halacha here is that the branches of the tree uh, that come down from above can create an enclosure around you that you can go and you can sit in there and it's as long as they come within three tvachim of the ground from above, they come down. However, uh, roots that come up from the bottom of the tree, you're not allowed to sit on, you're not allowed to sit on or lean on trees in general on Shabbat because of Gzerah that you might break some uh, part of the tree off. So uh, they're, you're not allowed to do that normally. So if the Shorashim, if the roots of the tree are less than three tvachim up from the ground, so they're just considered like the ground, so you can sit on them. But if they if they rise up discernibly from the ground, so then you can't sit on them anymore. So these are two halachot related to trees. Obviously, nothing directly really related to eruvin anymore. But we're closing off some halachot um, that pertain to elchot shabbat uh, that are maybe tangentially related to some things we've learned before. However, you cannot carry if this area that is enclosed by tree branches from above is more than a bitsa time. Bitsa time we learned is the area uh, where that uh, for the planting of two sa'ah of grain and the idea is that we've seen before that an enclosure which is not for residential purposes is obviously a tree that is uh, creating an enclosure is not to live under there. Nobody's going to live under there. So uh, it has this same limit that you're only up to a bitsa time. But if it's more than bitsa time, then you can no longer carry under there. My time, what's the reason? We move to Amud Aleph. Because the reason why you would create such a, uh, such a tree that creates an enclosure is in order for Shomrim, in order for people who are going to watch the fields to sit there. Okay, Rashi says, Really, it's made la'avir, meaning it's made for watching around. It's not really made for... Li- Nobody's going to say, I want to live under the enclosure of the tree. So therefore, So any place which is enclosed, not for dira, not for normal living, but either, as we said, it's like a park, which is not for dira at all, or here it's for a shomer to sit and to watch something outside. So again, it's not in and of itself and a residence, so there is a quantitative limit on how much you can enclose like that. And now we say, and now we're going to get into an interesting discussion about the roots of the tree that emerge uh, from the ground. And we said, if they're within three tvachim of the ground, it's still considered ground. But if it comes too high, so then they're distinct, and then you cannot lean on them or, or, or touch them in any way because of the issue of uh, the, uh, you're, that you're not allowed in general to handle trees on Shabbat. What if you have like this roots that come from the tree, okay, and they are they start out three tvachim above the ground, but then they curve downwards, right? So what about sitting on the part that's low? Rabbah just sit on the part that's less than three tvachim, you're near the ground, it's okay. Rav Shesh says no, because it's coming from a source which is prohibited, because it's above three tvachim over the ground, so then even though it curves down, you can't sit on that part. Rabbah says you can sit on that part of the tree root, because anything that's within three tvachim of the ground 
is the ground, that's it. Rav Sheshet, Amar Asulishtamesh, Ben Dekevan, the Mikoch Isuakatei, Asurin. Right, so the, Rav Sheshet says, no, since it's, it's coming, Mikoch Isura, meaning the, 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 uh, the first part of the tree, where, the, where this branches out, is above three Tvachin. So even though it goes down, the whole thing comes under the Isura of, of using the tree. <laughs> what if something is like a, uh, uh, a, uh, uh, like a Mishunita means like a uh, cleft of a rock. In other words, it's on a, it, it juts out like this, okay, on a, on a kind of diagonal. Okay, and it has multiple sub branches that come out. Those this no Rashi says it means kishin sela, right? So meaning it's like it's like a uh, cleft of rock. Okay, so now if you so the salkin leela asurin, so the parts that branch upwards are prohibited, obviously, because more than three tochim. The ones that come down below three tochim are okay, but let's the ones that are in the middle. Plukta the Rabbah Rav Sheshet. So you're going to have the same issue of Rabban Rav Sheshet. In other words, the ones that rise up. So even though this all comes from one central branch, right? Before we're talking about one branch that curves down, that starts out above and then curves down. But what if you have one piece that's sort of on a diagonal and some parts go up and some parts go down, but each one of them is separate, really. It's, so the one that's totally down... And all of it, all of that sub-branch is below three tachim. It's okay. The one that the whole sub-branch is above three tachim is not okay. The one that's in the middle is going to be a problem because uh, Rashi says, mm-hmm. So it's the same concept that they come from a higher place, but they curve downwards. So the point is that even though there's one central piece that they're branching off of, Okay, we don't have to therefore say that each part that branches off of that root is bad. We look at each one of those sub-branches separately, but we still apply the same rule, that if the sub-branch curves down, starts uh, in a prohibited area and curves downward, it's going to be the same plukta the Rabban Rav Sheshet, they're going to argue again. Similarly, if, it is bare, if, the, if the tree is, um, is planted in like a, uh, a, a stream, so it's like a, uh, in the ground. So what happens is that the tree um, is in this ditch in the ground. So if you're standing, and Rashi explains, if you're standing on the side of the tree, uh, on the ground, right? And if you're on the bank of the river, then the branch of the tree is going to be exactly even with uh, where you are. So it's going to be less than three tvachim. But if you're standing in the ditch, it's going to be more than three tvachim. So it says, in that case, that we have a machloket. Same thing is going to be true about a corner. In other words, if you have a wall that is uh, that it, the corner of the wall and the tree, she says, Okay, so basically you have um, three of the sides of the tree are enclosed by the wall. So it's almost like it's part of the wall. Right? So, so uh, she says that uh, right? There's only one side of the tree is visible because it's enclosed by the wall on three sides. So it says, above the tree, above the wall, um, the, the piece of the tree is only three tvachim, less than three tvachim above the wall. So, above Okay? So, in other words, from the perspective of somebody standing on the fence, so it's uh, less than three tochim. standing on the fence, so it's, it's less than three tochim. But if you're standing on the ground, it's higher than three tochim from your perspective. So again, you're going to have the same issue. Rabban Rav Sheshet are going to argue about that as well. There was a certain tree that belonged to Abba. standing on the tree in this position, no? 
Can you? In other words, the question is, if you're on the wall, can you use the piece of the tree, the part of the tree that comes out over the wall? Since from the oh, perspective of the wall, the it's lower than three tachim, oh, right? Can I sit on it? Oh. Can I sit on it? Because Rav Shesha will say, well, it's really three tachim above the ground because you're just st- standing on the wall. It looks like it's less than three tachim, but it's really not, right? So now it's, we had a tree. Abayi had a certain tree. Havasalik beipuma. And it, and, and it would go, it went uh, through the, uh, he had, I guess he had a tree in his house, and it went through the roof, okay? And uh, it, it went through the skylight, right? So then, Rav Yosef said, if you're standing on the roof, the pieces of the tree that come out of the roof, even though from the ground, from the actual ground level, it's much more than three tvachim, but from the roof, they just curves around the roof. So, uh, so from the roof perspective, it's less than three tzvachim. It's okay. Amale Rav Acha Bar Tachlifa Disharalach Kirabasharalach. He must be holding like Rabba. Rabba is the one that says that we look at the relative position. So, since you're standing on the roof, and from the perspective of the roof, it's less than uh, three tzvachim from the ground level of the roof. So, therefore, it's okay. But, but Rav Sheshit would say that since from the actual ground level, it's not. Uh, it's much more than three tzvachim from the ground. So, therefore, it's going to be prohibited. Pshita, that should be obvious. But Maud Timalfilu Rav Sheshit Betekaman Demaledame. We still needed to know this halacha. You might think it's obvious that this would be a machloka between Rabban and Rav Shesha, but not necessarily, because a lot of times we say that a bayit is that a house is like it's full, it's like a solid entity. So it's not like where you have a fence around three parts of the tree and you can see the whole tree going up and then you're standing on the fence or whatever, or it's in a ditch. We're talking about where it's in a house. A house could be seen as a solid entity from somebody who's standing outside. And therefore, if you're standing on the, on the roof, you may be able to use that uh, part of the tree that comes out on top of the roof that's less than three tzvachim from the top of the roof. So Kamashmalan, that Rav Sheshet, even there, even in the case where it comes out of a house, is still going to be strict. It says, if the roots of the tree protrude from the ground, three tfachim, so then lo you can't sit on them. Right? Now, what is the case? If we're talking about where it doesn't bend back down towards the ground, so then it's obvious that you can't sit on, uh, on, on a tree that, uh, where part of the tree extends three tfachim into the air because it's, uh, you're not allowed to use a tree. It must be saying that even though it bends back down, under three tvachim, meaning since it protrudes three tvachim, since if, even though it bends back down, you can't even sit on the part that bends back down. And that would contradict Rabban, support of, support of Sheshit. So it says, Lo, Leolam, Deladre, Kipe. No, it's talking about where it doesn't curve back down. It's totally over three tvachim. The point is that even though one side of the tree, in other words, one long root, on one side of the tree, it's flat, it's flush with the ground. On the other side, it comes up. So you might say, well, um, since there is a, uh, since the, um, one end of it is flush with the ground, they should be able to sit on that end. But since actually on the other side of the tree, the ground is lower, so the root is sticking out, so it's all one root. So he will say that, that since it's all one root, you can't even sit on the part that is flush with the ground. And that's what it has to say there. But it's not saying that, uh, that if it curved down uh, from, from a greater height, it's not talking about the case where it curves ra- down from a greater height. It's talking about a case where it actually was completely over three tvachim. And the chidush is that even though the other side of it might be flush with the ground, that doesn't help you. If you have roots of the tree that are three tvachim above the ground, or they're like elevated and they create an area beneath them that is three tvachim, even though one side of it is flush with the ground, and he still shouldn't sit on it because it's elevated three tvachim, because you're not allowed to go up on a tree, you can't hang from a tree, and you can't lean 
However, when it comes to a pit or it comes to a uh, any kind of a cave or any kind of a uh, an enclosed area, you can climb up and down all you want. No matter how long it is. In other words, it's not an issue of climbing. The point of the Brayta is it's not about climbing that we have a problem. Well, climbing a tree because it's exertion. It's because of using the tree and the possibility that you might tear apart off of the tree. Now, one Brayta said, if you went up on the tree, you could, you're allowed to come back down. And one says you're not allowed to. So, so what's the? Uh, how do we reconcile this? Depends. If you went up in the tree before Shabbat and then Shabbat started, okay, we'll say since you went up beheter. When you went up, it was okay, so we let you come back down. But if you went up be sure, we don't let you come back down. Alternatively, we could reconcile these two brayta in a different way. Maybe there are some cases where you went up on the tree even on Shabbat that you would be allowed to come down. It depends. If the guy goes up on purpose, we penalize him. We say, now you have to sit up in that tree all day long. Right? If the person did it uh, by accident, then we would let them come down. Alternatively, maybe even where the person did it by accident, there might be a reason that we don't let him come down. We're talking about a, whether the, the question is, do we penalize someone who did something by accident to discourage even somebody who does it on purpose? Right? One says we do and one says we don't. It's kind of like a sim, it's like when you drop, when you speed on the road, even though you didn't know that it was, uh, what the speed limit was, they don't give you a break, right? That's called because next time, even when you do know, you'll, uh, you may, maybe you'll speed, right? So it's the same idea. Do we say that since he, the guy went up in the tree by accident, maybe we should give him a break and let him come down? Or do we say, no, if we do that, then next time he's going to, you know, he's going to do it on purpose and, uh, and, and take it too leniently. This is actually possibly traceable back to a machloket tanaim. This question of whether a person who went up in a tree on Shabbat or before Shabbat is allowed to come down. How so? Because and this is a, a, a halacha really uh, from Zvachim and from it's also mentioned in Rosh Hashanah where they talk about the halacha of Bal Tosif and Bal Tigrav of adding or subtracting uh, on mitz- uh, onto mitzvot. We know that there are some korbanot that are bematana uh, achat. They have to the korban, the blood of the korban is only put. Uh, once, right? Some of them are four times. Some of them are one time. Some of them are two times. Right? That there are two uh, in, in the two corners, depending on the kind of korban. So if you have a korban that has really only one application of blood, and it's mixed with another korban that also is only placed one application of blood, so no problem. Put it with one matana, one application. So even though you have a mixture of two different korbanot and both of them require four applications, let's say chatat requires four applications, okay? So then put it in uh, together. It's no problem. But matan arba matan achat, what happens if you mix a korban, let's say a korban chatat with a uh, which requires four applications, and that gets mixed together with a. Uh, uh, so Rashi gives example here. Um, uh, if you have um, a, uh, he gives Ola as the matanach uh, matanachat, and he gives uh, and he gives. Um, Let's see, what does he give for it? Yeah, he gives chatat also. Yeah, chatat for the four matanot. The problem is that you don't actually put them in the same location on the Mizrach, but okay. Anyway, Rabbi Eliezer Omer, Rabbi Eliezer says, you know what? We, uh, put four. So Rabbi Yoshua says, no, just put one. So the problem is that some of the blood mixed in here needs one and some of it needs four. Right? So he says, He says, if you only put one, then the blood that was supposed to go four times, it's Baltigra. 
you're, you're, you're making it deficient. But if you, according to you, then the one, the, the, there's blood in there that is only supposed to be applied once and you're saying do it four times. So it's Baltosif, you're adding. The only time that Baltosif is a problem, adding on, is when the blood is by itself. If I took blood that was supposed to be applied only one time to the altar and I put it four times, that would be Baltosif. But here it's mixed. So he said, huh? so I'll say the same thing. I'll say the same thing. When does it say you can't take a four application blood and put it only once? It says that when it's by itself, but when it's mixed, it's okay. So I'll tell you why you're worse. Because since you have one, some of the blood mixed in here is supposed to have only one application, some only four. When you, put it, when you decide to put it four, you're doing an action. You're actually doing an action. But if you don't do anything, at least my way, you're passively violating. You're only putting one, you're not putting the other three. Right? But you are saying do four, so that for from the perspective of the blood that's supposed to go only once, that is bikum va'aseh. You're doing a, uh, you're doing an action that is, uh, that is, uh, baltosif. Alright, so now, with, now the Gemara is going to try to connect this to our case. Rabbi Eliezer, Damar Hatam Kumase Adiv. Right, so according to Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Eliezer says that what? That Kumase, uh, that doing more, uh, is better. So, Hachanami, Yeret. So, so to here, we'll say to go down. What does Rashi say? He says, Achiridam Mitzvahi, the Akol's Manchu Yoshev Mishtamesh. Right? So, in other words, as long as he's sitting up there, he's actually breaking the rule of sitting in the tree. So he's sitting up, they shouldn't do that. So even though it's passive, it doesn't matter. Right? So he says, In other words, it says it's better that the person do one violation of climbing down the tree, which also you're not allowed to climb down the tree, right? Then sit there the whole time, even though it's passive. The point is that even though it's passive, he still says that's bad. Better to cut it now and come down, because otherwise every minute that you're sitting up there is, a, is an avera. So you'll say, well, it's only passive, but he says passive doesn't matter, because he said that even though you're doing baltigra passively, it's still bad. It's better to just do the, the extra applications of the blood, do the four, even though you're doing an action, rather than do a passive uh, avera. And similarly, similarly he'll say, um, that uh, on the other side, <coughs> that so that the right? Right. So he'll say the same thing over here. That that when, what is Rabbi Yoshua's position? Better to violate something passively than actively. So if you walk, if you climb down the tree, you're doing a maaseh. So rather better to sit there. It's true you're not allowed to sit there, but it's only passive. In other words, it's a similar. He's saying it's a similar case where you have action versus being passive. Either way, you're messing something up. Should you just climb down and do an action one time and be done with it? Or should you sit there passively and, 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 uh, and do the Avera passively rather than climb down? That's what's saying it's the same thing. <laughs> what? It's a, you're ending the Avera because you're getting off the tree. That's what it's saying. You're ending it. They didn't bring that. That they're saying the concept. In other words, they're focusing on one aspect of the concept. They're not focusing on the right to the Rabbanan. They're focusing on passive versus active. Right? You put the lights on on Shabbat every moment you're using it is a problem. Will you turn it off so you're not going to... What is it every moment you're using it a problem? Imagine you're the one who turns you're it off. You're being the never but that's only the Rabbanan though. <coughs> okay. The turning on is, you know, right. is different. 
No, it, it might apply to a case where there's an avera that you're doing every second or something like that, as opposed to, uh, you know, like you put something to cook. This is disgusting, in Masechet Shabbat. You put something in to cook, you, maybe you should take it out because if you leave it in, you're, you're, you know, it does disgust it. But uh, yeah, but anyway, um, uh, so Adka, so it says, Dilmalohi. Anyway, we can't necessarily make this equation. It doesn't fit exactly because Adka, Loka, Marabi, Lezo, Adam, Kuma, Seyadiv, Elatika, Avid, Mitzvah, Valachad, Elavid, Mitzvah. It's, that's sort of answering your question. In other words, saying that over there we're talking about doing a mitzvah. True, along with doing the mitzvah, you're going to also possibly do baltosif on the blood that's only supposed to go once. But at least you're doing a mitzvah, so you have an excuse. Here, what's the mitzvah to climb down the tree? Nothing. There's no mitzvah. You're just trying to stop the Avera, but it's a different story. Maybe he'll say there you shouldn't do anything. You should be passive. Because there's no mitzvah to be gained. And maybe also there. When you don't put the blood onto the altar, you only put it once instead of four times, so therefore you are, uh, you're doing something passively, you're passively neglecting. He says, that, in other words, over there by not doing, at least you're not actively doing an Avera, but actually sitting in the tree is an Avera. It's a passive Avera, but it's an Avera. Rashi says, that, Right when he does nothing, right the baltigra, right, and he says he says that the ve'ha'ased natan al karnot ne'ekarin me'alehen. In other words, he says that basically the mitzvah that he's doing, he's simply not doing what he's supposed to do. But here, even though it seems like they're similar, that sitting is also passive, but yeshiva is considered an action here because you're using the tree. Right? There, he simply didn't put the applications of the blood. Okay, so he missed it. He missed the mitzvah. Here, you're actually sitting. Every second you're sitting up there is an avira. So you can't really compare the two cases is the point. That whether we're talking about a, a wet tree means like a live tree or a dried out tree, right? Or yavish. Uh, whether it's moist or it's uh, dried out, one says no that if the if the tree is moist and healthy, then you can't sit up there. But if it's uh, if it's dried out, it's okay. In other words, it says that um, one is talking about where uh, yeah, it's dried out now, but it's going to come back. Okay. One is talking about where it won't. In other words, if it's totally dried out log and it's dead as a doornail, it's totally dead. So then it's just a piece of wood now. It's not even, it's not even a, yeah, it's not even a, it's, it's not even a, br- a tree anymore. But if it's giz o means that it's going to grow back. It's just temporary. Maybe they chopped part of it, but it's going to, it's going to grow back. So there you wouldn't be allowed to sit. But the Gemara says, giz o you're saying at the first brighter when it says that you're not allowed to sit on a tree, whether it's moist or dry, uh, it's, it refers to a, uh, to a tree that's going to grow back as yavish. Why would they call it a dry out tree. It's not dried out. If it's still going to grow back, it's still very much alive. It, it, one is talking about in the summertime. Rashi says, In other words, when it is a, a dried out tree that is dead. It's talking about a dead tree. Okay, but in, this, in the, the summertime when everything else is blooming beautifully, Right? And because, it, so then, and this one is totally dead, so everyone can see it's a dead tree. It's just a piece of wood stuck in the ground, nothing. But during the wintertime, where everything loses its leaves and everything looks the same, you know, like uh, coming up to that time now here, so you can't tell the difference between a dead tree and a live tree. So you can't even sit on a dead tree because people won't be able to tell, okay? No, but still it says, but uh, it says, What about the fact that there still might be fruit attached to this dead tree? It says, okay, but fine, there's no fruit on the tree. So we'll, we'll just make the case that it fits. What about the fact that it still has small branches 
that are that are hanging off of it, and you might uh, end up breaking them off. Okay, but you do that. We're talking about one that doesn't have any concern about that, and so therefore, um, there's no, uh, there's no. It's very clear to everyone that there is no. Um, uh, that there's no life left in that tree. In that case, it would be okay to sit on it because it's a completely dead tree and it's obvious that it's a dead tree. It doesn't have any fruit. It doesn't have any branches hanging off or leaves hanging off. Okay, any is that true? Wasn't it true that, uh, that Rav came to a place called Aspatia and he prohibited them from leaning or using a tree even if all the branches were off of it and all of the leaves were gone and had no fruit. It was completely dead. So it says, right, but Rav Bikamata... It says many times, Rav found a, uh, uh, he found a plain, he found an open space, and he put a wall, okay? It means to say that he found that the people were very lax about halachot of Shabbat, so he sometimes would make, and you see this in the Gemara many times, that sometimes he would make a, uh, uh, make zerot, even though they weren't necessary for, the, uh, for a, a community that was stronger, but in his community he saw they were very weak on certain things, so he would, uh, he would add stringencies even though it wasn't necessary. Now, Amar Barabba. Or it should say probably Bar Chama, probably, right? <laughs> no, it says you have to look in the back to see. You know, it says, okay, Bar Chama. Okay. So, uh, so, um, Bar Chama. What? It says, yeah, that's what I figured. Yeah, but uh, it says I have to look in the back to find that out. So I didn't want to lose my place. Okay. But either way, yeah. So, Amar Bar Chama or Abba. You're not allowed to walk on the grass on Shabbat. Now, this is not the halakha. I know that you're going to object to it. Before you object, just know that the Gemara in the end is going to say that we, we hold like Rabbi Shimon, so we don't hold like this. But uh, this is, but so I'm giving you a heads up. But, right, because it says a person who rushes on their feet is sinning. Right? It's obviously that's not the literal meaning of the Pasuk, because the Pasuk is talking about someone who is impetuous and not, uh, and uh, doesn't think through what they do, so they rush with their legs and they sin. Okay, but it says, it's, it's using it as a, you know, as a sort of a drash. You know, oh, the person runs with their legs on the grass. Right? We have one writer that says you can walk on grass and one says no. So first the Gemara is going to try a few different resolutions. So it says, The first one that says you can't walk is talking about moist grass. It's alive and you might pull it out. Maybe the one that says you can walk is talking about dried out grass. It's totally dead. You won't do anything by pulling it out. Alternatively, Or maybe both brightot, the one that says you can walk and the one that says you can't, they're Talking about moist, but it depends. In the summertime, where it's blooming and beautiful and healthy and alive, so then you're going to pull it out. But in the but in the winter time, where it's dead, so uh, so again, you're not going to you're not going to have any effect. Alternatively, maybe they're both talking about summertime where it's growing. Maybe it depends where you wear the shoes or not. Because if you wear shoes, then what's going to happen? You're uh, when you wear shoes, you're not going to pull the grass out because your shoes will di- will go down on the grass, but they're not going to pull out the grass. But if you have bare feet, it'll get caught on your toes and you'll pull it out. Alternatively, maybe both brightot are talking about where you have shoes. But some of them are talking about where uh, Rashi says that um, that uh, that kaful mitachtav that it's uh, that it's that, right that it's uh, that the the um, the bottom of the shoe has like uh, uh, sharp pieces right and therefore because that sharp piece is going to pull the uh, 
right? Like cleats, yeah, like cleats, like uh, soccer shoes, right? The cleats, right? So it's going to pull things out of the ground, and one that's flat is not going to pull things out of the ground. Maybe we're talking about cleats in all, both cases. But it depends on the grass. Some grass is very long and windy, and if you walk through, you're going to pull it up, and some is short, and you're not going to pull it up. The point is, you can learn these two bright with all of these different interpretations, and good luck. But nowadays, the Kaimel and Rabbi Shimon, nowadays we hold like Rabbi Shimon that the Varshainu mitkaven. Mutar, that something that is unintentional is allowed. That's why you're allowed to walk on the grass because uh, unless your intent is, you say, you know what? I really need to mow the lawn. Uh, I, I heard that Rabbi Shimon says, you, you know, as long as I don't do it, I'm just going to walk I'm around and around and around and, and, and I'll pull up the grass. That's mitkaven already, right? That's not davar no mitkaven. But if you want to walk on the grass or whatever, it would be okay no matter what. Now, well, like some, uh, yeah. object when it's wrong based on this halacha? I never heard. Uh, if it's a psikreshe, that listen, if it's a situation where for sure you're going to pull out Grass, living grass from the ground, then it would be pesikreshe. But you have to look at every situation. I don't think it's normally the case. Here it says That's why he thought the first one was Rami Bar Also, man cannot force his wife to have to be intimate with him. A person who rushes. Um, with, with his legs and that's a metaphor they're saying for marital relations is chote is sinning Rashi says lashon tashmish dechtiv ben raglea because when it talks about Yael and it says that she seduced uh, uh, Sisra so um, it says there that she, she he, 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 he bent over ben raglea between her legs so the legs means uh, some intimacy so so, Shainan Mehuganit, right? Rabbi Yushua ben Levi says that somebody who, is, uh, who forces his wife to have a relationship, they're not going to be, the kids are going to be bad. Right, that's actually the beginning of that pasuk. Uh, it says that a soul without knowledge, literally, it means. But uh, right, it means uh, a soul is no good without knowledge. And somebody who rushes does a sin, meaning that the person doesn't think through what they're doing. They rush into things, then that they're, they're going to sin, right? But it's here it's saying it's using the blodat to mean without her consent, right? They're going to have children that are inan muhganim because it says blodat. Uh, means without consent. Lotov, the kids that come out are not going to be good. Tani nami achi learned that about the kamblo dat nevesh lotov that without without consent, it's saying a soul is no good. Meaning the soul that comes out of this union will not be good. This is talking about a man who forces his wife um, for relations. Now, somebody who's who's uh, pressing, who's quick. Uh, on, uh, in his legs uh, is sinning. This is somebody who has relations, and then again, you know, he doubles up. Any is that true? Didn't Rava say the opposite? He said, if you have relations twice in a row, it'll be better because normally they say that it, when the woman is able to reach completion of the act first, it's better. So since they had relations one time and they do it again, the woman is already more uh, ready and, uh, and more able and therefore the second time it'll be a charm because it'll, it'll be better. That's true that repeating but when you repeat because the man presses, pressures a woman, it's not good. It has to be, um, it's just giving another example, in other words, of a case of pressure. One type of pressure is where the wife doesn't want it all and the man pressures. The other one is they, they did already and the man wants again, it's pressured. In both cases, it's, pressuring is bad. Um, it can be good to have a double 
in a case where the woman is agreeing to it. Any woman who goes and propositions her husband, in other words, she initiates with her husband relations, is going to have children that, that were so great that even in the generation of Moshe, there was nobody like them. Because in the times of Moshe, it says, it says, This is a great drasha, actually, that it says that in the times of Moshe, he said, we need to pick for, you know, because Moshe wanted to pick like uh, judges to help him because Yitro had re- recommended that he pick judges. And he said, find wi- people who are chachamim, nifonim, they are wi- wise, understanding, well-known. But then when he actually took the people, he says they took chachamim and yiduim. It doesn't say nivonim. He couldn't find people of such great in, uh, knowledge, of such great understanding. Only, only chachma, but not bina. But when it comes to the children of Leah, it says, Because what does Leah do? She goes out and she... Uh, you know, when, when, when Yaakov is coming home, goes and gets him and, and initiates with him for that night. And then what happens? The Sakhar is, she has Yisachar from that, right? And we know that we know that the Bnei Yisachar were known to have great understanding of that Mayasa Israel, to know what the Jewish people should do. Right? And it says, So that means that they, they had, uh, 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 leaders came from them and everybody listened to them. So you see from that, that Tvuna comes from this woman taking, uh, taking initiative. Maybe it's from the Torah study. It, it, it's a drasha. Look, it's a drasha. You have to, you have to, you have to go along with it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, any is that true? Amar Rav Yitzchak Bar Avdimi Eser Klalot Nitkal Lachava didn't Rav Yitzchak Bar Avdimi Avdimi say there are ten curses that Chava was cursed. Echdiv Elayisha Amar Arba Arbets etc. It says uh, all the curses. Elu Shnei Tipei Dami. Right, these are the two drip types of blood. Achad Dam Nida Vachad Dam Bitulim. There are two kinds of blood that that torment the woman. One is the period that she has, and the other one is Dam Bitulim, the, the virginal blood. Itzvonech Your Sorrow Zetzar Gidul Bani. This is the uh, raising of children. The pregnancy is This is the difficulty of pregnancy. The pain of giving birth itself is 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 It's the simple meaning of it. It's the pain of giving birth. And you'll have a desire for your husband. Uh, probably should say right. El Bala, yeah, not Al. El Bala Bishashi Yotzeladirch. When he goes away, she misses him and she yearns for him, right? Vehuyim Sholbach, and he will be in charge of her. Milamet Shaishatovad Belev. That means that the woman uh, desires intimacy Belev in her heart. Vaish Tovayabape. But only the man is the one who initiates uh, verbally. Vizoyim Midatovad Benashim. And this is a uh, a good characteristic of women that they are more modest about that. So what do you see here? You see a contradiction because you're, set, you're telling me that the best kids come from when the woman initiates, but uh, now you're saying that it's not modest. So it says, no, we mean that she entices him. In other words, she is pleasing to him and she entices him. She doesn't come out and say it directly, but she's, uh, you know, she engages him in a romantic way to initiate, right? That's What? I like Leah. Right, not like Leah, really, but I guess, I guess you could say that she was being more, she was maybe, uh, yeah, who knows? But Hanei Sheva, uh, so it says, You said there were ten klalot, but we only counted seven here. We didn't count uh, ten, uh-huh. right? So the question is, where are the other three? She has to wrap up like a mourner, meaning the women would wrap their heads, they cover their head. And she has to be separated from other people. And she has to be put in prison, meaning that she is someone who 
that Rashi explains that uh, she's not allowed to have more than one husband, like he's allowed to have more than one wife, and she's generally kept home. Now, this is obviously talking about in those days. Nowadays, uh, women go out more, but back then, it was mostly, uh, it was uh, Corona all the time. They were always home. Right, so um, so they, but they have to wrap up their head. They have to, they have to stay away from people, and they have to stay home. Right, so uh, so what do you mean that she's? Uh, uh, so it says, "My minudam adam." What do you mean that she's separated from all people? If you're telling me because she's not allowed to be alone with other men, but he's also not allowed to be uh, alone with a woman who's not his wife. Meaning, she can't have two husbands like he can have two wives. So therefore, she has uh, more limitations. We learned in a brayta she has to she does her hair like Lilith Lilith is like the demon of the uh, uh, you know that's talk, talked about in some Midrashi Vyoshevet that she sits down to urinate like an animal she becomes like a pillow for her husband meaning that the husband is on top of her during the uh, marital relations these are also uh, negatives of being a woman okay the other but the reason why the uh, why it wasn't counted as the ten because we already had three is because those are not necessarily bad uh, because Rabbi Chia said what is the meaning of the pasuk right what does it mean that the animals uh, what does it mean that the that the birds and the animals will teach us something. Uh, we learn from them that uh, what do we learn from the animals? We learn we learn that the, because the, the uh, mule uh, squats and urinates and that's considered to be better. Uh, and what do we learn from the uh, what do we learn from him? This is the chicken or the, or the rooster that first engages his mate in some kind of flirting and then has relations with her. I've never seen that myself but I guess I guess a chicken farmer. If the Torah was not given, we would learn modesty from a cat that they always go to the bathroom privately. If you notice that, it's true. Like cats will always go somewhere there's nobody around. There's not like a dog that will go in front of you. They always go privacy and they cover it afterwards. Right? And we would learn from ants not to steal because they never steal from each other. They're very hard working. We would learn from the Yonah, from the dove about sexual morality because they're committed for life to their partners. There's some animals that have uh, life partners, which is really interesting. Many just mate with whatever is available, but there are some that have life partners and we'll learn from them. Right? And so it says, it's uh, what does the rooster say to the hen? What is their uh, what is their pillow talk? What is their uh, romantic talk? You know, we want to know. That's what he says. Zavnina lech He says, "I will give you a, uh, a, a like a coat that goes down to your legs." Okay, uh, what what that means? I don't know. I guess he's offering to take her to. Uh, 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 to Saks Fifth Avenue, I don't know, to Macy's, I, I don't know. And then, um, and then, he's, uh, and it says, afterwards, may the crown of this rooster, like the red thing on his head, go away. If I have the money to buy you this coat and I don't give it to you. And they said that the reason why they, they said this is Rashi says, apparently after they mate, the rooster bows its head like this. And it's saying, it says, if he's saying to her, if I don't, uh, you can, you can cut off my head. You can cut off the, the, the red thing on my head, the crown, if I don't deliver and I don't get you the, uh, the present that I promised. Right? So, uh, 
what I guess that they must have observed that these animals kind of are playful with each other. Many animals in the wild, uh, when they mate, it's actually very aggressive sometimes from the male to the female, and they uh, and the female is you know sometimes the female is in heat and and invites it, and other times the male can be very aggressive. But I guess that they must have observed among chickens that they have like more of an interaction, and they they saw that as being you know indicative of the right way to engage for spouses to engage with one another. But the idea it's very nice uh, drashot here about the importance <laughs> of uh, uh, of um, uh, marital intimacy being uh, willing on both sides and being something that's supposed to be not just a physical action but something that connects two people. Yeah.